0: the Data Rock Stars coffee pot with me, Kelly Peters and me, Regina Lally. We're back with episode 35 to talk about what's happening in the world of data and data protection. This week, we're focusing on cyber insurance. To discuss this, what we want, uh, we've we welcomed a special guest, Jennifer Tonner from the JMP Group. Welcome, Jennifer.
1: Hi, I'm Jennifer. I'm really excited to be here. This is actually my podcast debut. I work for John Morgan Partnership and I specialise in cyber insurance. And what we're really looking to do is flip insurance conversations on their head. So we start with people's cyber exposures rather than any Ending with them and hopefully keep that conversation interesting and get people more involved and engaged with the subject. It's
0: right. a bit of a challenge that's something we like try and do as well with data protection which is why we get on so well because we've both got that focus to try and make what people typically see as quite a dull topic something a bit more exciting and relevant to them. Ah. So-
2: Jennifer's cat has also decided to join uh, today's podcast.
0: Sorry. (laughs) Oh no, it's brilliant. It's part of the delight of working at home. And actually,
2: that's quite a nice intro, because one of the things we wanted to really talk about is the risks of working from home and the kind of the significant increase that we're seeing in ransomware attacks and stuff. And, you know, I think there's a cyber criminals are targeting more people now because we're at home and we seem to be more vulnerable.
1: Exactly. I I trained the cat to do that. That was exactly what was supposed to happen. So I think from a cyber insurance perspective, working from home, it's a tricky one because obviously it's something that's become so necessary, but I think it was the way the world was going anyway, Um, in terms of work-life balance, people having that sort of opportunity. I think people don't necessarily realise with their workers' at home that they need to make sure their workers are implementing the same kind of practices that they would within the office. So one of the key things in insurance is the condition of having various policies and procedures in place and making sure they're communicated to everybody. Because it's all very well having a piece of paper, but if nobody who is working for you knows what's on that piece of paper, it will make no difference. So what we were really looking for people to do once the switch to working from home has happened was to firstly update those policies and procedures, but then to filter that down to everybody who's working from home, just so they really Understand the importance of treating data and systems with the same level of security that they would within an office. Because I think you've shared with us,
2: didn't you, a really kind of scary kind of quote that says ransomware attacks account for thirty-one percent of claims but at the moment. Seventy-three percent of them are being paid out. I presume that one—that's a scary stat. But uh, over time, insurers are going to want to reduce the level of of payout. We're being cynical, by the way. <laughs>
1: I don't think it's necessarily cynical. I think it's kind of recognising the way that any kind of market works. That kind of hits a critical point where insurers can't necessarily just pay out every claim in the same way. They need to look at applying the terms of the policy more rigorously. So I think one of the main pieces of advice I would have for anyone is actually read your policy wording. I know it sounds terribly boring. If you don't want to read it, make your broker read it. I'll read it for you. <laughs> because that puts you in the best position for understanding what the claim process is going to be. like like what the expectations are on you and how you can actually make the claims process go smoothly and make sure that everything is paid and everything works as you feel it should I think there is a communication issue perhaps where in the past brokers haven't really sat down and have these conversations about exactly what is expected of you but in order for your insurer to behave the way you expect them to you have to behave in the way that they expect you to and ransomware is one of those things that is causing the largest amount of claims not just through the frequent but also through the severity so ransoms are getting a lot higher and in addition to um, holding people to ransom people are actually now extracting the data from their systems as well as just encrypting it so this leaves them with further revenue streams essentially as cyber criminal businesses mm-hmm. they can not only hold you to ransom get that ransom they can then blackmail you on the prospect that they might sell your data there are so many different aspects to a ransomware claim and that's one of the reasons that the costs are skyrocketing in that particular yeah. region
0: i think that's sort of linked into we were talking a couple of weeks ago about the impact that a ransomware issue had for Hackney Council and some of their residents. And, you know, I think we, they've seen in the last couple of weeks that some of that data starting to appear on the dark web. But at the same time, then those individuals in Hackney area had things like their housing Purchases impacted because data wasn't able to be accessed. so I think you know the, the range as you're saying is the range of impacts on individuals, companies and organizations is is pretty far reaching now rather than just that initial can't get hold of the data.
1: Yeah, I think that's interesting as well, because that also touches on another aspect of cyber insurance that puts together basically the structure of the claim, which is the business interruption. Mm-hmm. So if you can't access your data for an extended period of time, depending on your type of business, you could start losing money almost instantly. And following on from that, there's also a lot to deal with in terms of your reputation. Because the reputation takes a in seconds to lose. And if you have that kind of incident, what you'll really need is follow-up help in terms of making sure that you can keep your clients and also let your new clients know that this isn't something that's going to happen in future and that it is something that you can deal with in the most efficient and professional way. Yeah because I think dealing
2: with the aftermath I think you're right because one of the things that Regina and I have always talked about is you know you might get a financial penalty from the commissioner at some point in time but the immediate impact is going to be where on how people trust you and your reputation and I think it's kind of coming back from that type of hit You want to be able to demonstrate and reassure your client base that you've had someone come in. There is no way that you've reduced the risk of this happening again by getting in, you know,
0: forensic investigators to look at your systems and stuff. And none of that is cheap. I think it's one of those things as well that people consider if they do have cyber insurance that's of the right level, that not only do they need to be assessing the breach and contacting the ICO biz, how do they manage those communications with existing clients, prospects, the people whose data is affected, and potentially could be looking to their their policy to see whether there's any cover for, for PR services or communication services within that
1: yeah exactly those things are covered more often than not these days luckily because cyber insurance has evolved over the sort of last decade Mm -hmm. to really pick up on these things that people need but I think if you are a small to medium business you're not necessarily going to have all of the contacts that you need immediately available to you which is something you don't always consider you're like oh okay I can pay for this I can pay for that but just in that moment actually finding the right people to do the right job under that incredible strain is not as easy as it sounds Mm -hmm. so one thing that cyber insurance does is it acts as a hub you you contact that one contact point and then they filter out to your legal experts your forensics experts your public relations experts it just acts as this hub and makes it much easier for you
0: that sounds really good it's a little bit kind of like those I guess brokers that help you when your car goes or you know goes kaput and then you kind of like need specific expertise rather than you having to scrub around and find the garages. they've got trusted dealers and and people that they already know will do a good job for you so that's then really reassuring for you as the customer that you're you're in good hands
2: yeah and i think moving on from that kind of the hub because obviously ransomware is quite scary um, and it does happen and we're seeing it happen more but i also read because you you provided us with some truly fantastic facts and you know i'm a data nerd so i love a good thing um and one that you talked about was that there's an 18 million covid
1: phishing emails i sent every day i was staggered but i was like holy cow i was actually quite surprised because obviously phishing has been around since the dawn of email um <laughs> so <laughs> people doing it in the post before that. So it's been around forever. And I was really surprised that COVID is the number one uh, phishing topic ever, according to Google. Uh, But then when I've been doing some reading around it, is it's not necessarily just emails about the disease, but there are so many different schemes that have been set up very quickly by the government and by companies to help people get access to finance, furlough schemes. Mm -hmm. There have been so many different things that have been set up so hastily um, that it's very difficult to discern what's real and what's not. Mm -hmm. So if you know you're a business you probably have been looking for support on furloughing your employees you probably have been looking for this and that so when you're getting these emails they're not necessarily unexpected and if you've reached out to several different companies you might just think oh okay well i think i contacted that company so i will respond to them i'll give them this type of data that type of data so i think covid has just presented an amazing opportunity for cyber Mm -hmm. criminals (laughs) Just to be really, really diverse and just to be able to to have so many different avenues into people and also really exploit the strain that there is on everyone, to be honest.
0: And I think it just demonstrates really how quickly cyber criminals can respond. Like they see that opportunity and they're not sitting about waiting or planning how they do it. They're just whacking the emails out there and they know that whatever percentage, if it's 18 million a day, then you know if you get a small percentage of bytes that's going to be potentially quite a significant amount of information that you're hauling through and financial benefit that goes to them beyond that then could be quite significant so it makes it worth their while but for me i think it demonstrates really that businesses do have to like be aware of where there could be these opportunities for the cyber criminals and be prepared to respond and prepare their staff just as quickly so that it's not something that you're lagging behind on, but how can you really get that message across to your staff all the time about, you know, there will be people looking continually to exploit these new avenues and prepare them to be healthily suspicious about what's coming through in their inbox and to question it and query it rather than just fall prey to that play on their fears of, oh must get this done now, it's got to be done immediately or, you know, I really need this before the end of the week. So please can you get it done? straight away so i think keeping data protection top of the agenda within businesses really helps them protect themselves falling foul to this type of thing particularly where as we said at the beginning everybody's so disparate at the moment and working at home again you've got an increased risk from people reacting immediately as opposed to that stop and think about what it is that they're responding to
2: but i also think you've got the challenge of where are you working in an office you, you normally would probably there's something a little bit odd you'd ask someone to check you'd like can you just check this for me you know I, i'm not sure if this is genuine i wish it's the same which we talk about with breaches if, you, if it happens at home and there's no one around you might be tempted to not do anything about it and stuff. And I think working from home, we need to be able to give, organisations need to give their confidence that here's some education, here's some things that you need to be really looking out for. And if something does look suspicious, think before you act. And I think where we're all at the moment, and I've heard a number of people really talk about the struggle that January has really been for them in terms of this, this current lockdown. I think when you're adding that stress onto yourself, you're more likely to do something really silly, not deliberately, but purely by accident and I think we need to balance what we provide guidance to but also have an expectation of mistakes are going to happen, how are we going to handle these and try and reduce that risk of it being a real significant issue for us.
1: Absolutely and that ties in with two of the really sort of key points about insurance is first of all insurers want you to make sure your staff are trained, that is something that they look on very favourably in terms of premium and that's something that often has a smaller outlay at the start of your policy but can pay off very much in the long term and also have the policies and procedures so people working from home um, will be able to know when there could have been a breach, will be able to notify the right people within the right time frame. And that's not necessarily even just policy and procedure, that's kind of a company culture of trust and openness. But it means that if you do have to make a claim on your insurance, insurers will often put a excess waiver on the policy, so you won't have to pay your excess if you notify them within a certain time period of a potential breach. And that's because it just means the claim is going to cost them a lot less. It really helps everybody to have that complete uh, run through of a company where everybody just knows exactly who to go to when cuts down uh, time and costs in dealing with issues no i think that's
2: uh, that's really good uh, to know it's always nice to know because you get the question of you know oh do i really need cyber insurance i think it's like a lot of things it's like oh do i really need like i need travel insurance and i suppose from your perspective as a broker when someone asks you that kind of question do i really need this what would be your kind of like go-to response
1: I think my response would be, it's very easy to sort of visualise what can happen to your physical assets. You know, you know, you've got a warehouse if that burns down. Okay, big problem. But your digital assets are actually a lot more valuable. You know, rebuilding a warehouse isn't too much of a big issue. But if you lose control of your data, if that ends up in the dark web, it leaves you liable to pay compensation. It means that your business can be interrupted. It means that you can also lose your reputation and really struggle to regain that. 43% of people have said that they would consider leaving a provider if there was a breach. So, how you handle that breach is really the key thing to make sure that you retain your clients and make sure that your business continues to exist. And I know at the moment that's particularly difficult for so many people because budgets are stretched. But the truth is, fifty um, percent of business small businesses will close down within six months of a breach.
2: Really, really fun stuff, and I think we could probably talk about this for a lot, lot longer. But. I- time sadly has come uh, to an end that is the end uh, of the uh, podcast before we uh, wrap up Jennifer do you want
1: to just point people to where they can find out more information about um, JMP yeah sure so there is our main website which is johnmorganpartnership.co.uk and then very excitingly we're launching an entire cyber website hopefully in the next week or so uh, so if you would like to be updated on that please follow us on social media John Morgan Partnership, and we'll let you know everything that's going on That sounds exciting. It is. (laughs) Well, as
2: always, Regina, I think that was a very fun conversation about two subjects that most people might find a little bit boring, but this was upbeat. If anyone has any questions, obviously you can email us at thecoffeeatdbx.uk.com with any ideas about what you want us to talk about next. And uh, yeah, I um, look forward to whatever we're going to talk about next week, Regina.
0: Indeed. We'll see what happens in the world of data protection.